The Elder To my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, just as you are progressing spiritually. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honours God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people, so that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone, and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. We're in three John tonight, one of uh, John's letters. So if you cast your mind back to, um, I don't know when it was, but last year we were working our way through uh, the book of 1 John. Uh, we then, we took quite a few weeks on that. It's a longer book. We did 2 John last week and we're finishing up. It's the last of John's letters. We're in 3 John tonight. Uh, and uh, this lovely short uh, little book, um, one of the last things that John wrote. So it's it's a short book. It's probably not a book you know very well. Um, I won't do a show of hands, but I imagine there are plenty of you who have not read it at all, did not know that there's a three John at the end of, end of the Bible. And uh, I have to say, when I uh, was reading it to uh, prepare, I, uh, I was a little bit confused uh, by, by the book. Um, if you look at the, the contents page at the start of your Bible and you look at the, the New Testament, uh, there are lots of letters. So we've got four Gospels, the Book of Acts, and then I think it's 21 letters before we get to Revelation. And in those letters, uh, half of them, about half of them written by, by Paul, the other half by some of the other apostles. And uh, these letters are filled with truth. They're kind of unpacking the truth about Jesus and kind of showing us more about who Jesus is and what he's done and how that changes everything, how that changes our whole lives. And we looked at uh, 1 John, like I say, that is a book that is uh, full of uh, truth about Jesus, about what it looks like to have a faith in Jesus, uh, how to walk with the Spirit. John talks about uh, living a life of love and, and he talks about obedience. So lots of truth about Jesus, lots of practical stuff. We looked at 2 John last week. Uh, that's a book all about truth. Remember that uh, Mark took us through that all about uh, we've got different kind of truth statements around us. Lots of people saying different things about God, about the meaning of life. How do we hold fast to what God says about truth? It's a really important book to John. Let me get to three, John. And uh, when I first read it, it kind of reminded me 
of uh, a letter or, or maybe an email uh, you might uh, send to a friend to arrange something. So you go, uh, dear so-and-so, hope you're doing well. Would you mind doing this for me? Hope all is well with you. Love, Sam. Yeah. Not, not very profound or deep. Um, you've probably sent something like that before. Not, not especially jam-packed with amazing truth about God. Uh, and it is a very practical book. At three John. It's very ordinary. It's very down to earth. John probably wrote quite a few of these letters like this. There are hints he's written already to, to Gaius. This has been quite a normal letter. But God has put this book in our Bible. God knows what he's doing. All the books in here are here for a reason. And he's given us this practical little book because there is stuff here for us to learn. But like I say, it's really different to the book of one John in some ways. In 1 John, John is always talking in kind of a big sweeping terms. He, he loves a big sweeping statement, John. Uh, so he says, um, he says stuff like this. This is in uh, chapter 2, uh, verse 3. He says, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. So it's very black and white, very straightforward. If you uh, love God, you'll obey him. If you're not obeying him, you don't love God. Easy, straightforward, Christian life, nice and, nice and straightforward like that. Except, obviously, that's, that's not how it works, is it? Being a Christian is tricky and challenging and there are lots of parts of our life that uh, we need wisdom where we genuinely don't know what to do there are parts of our life that are just hard for us to understand how does god want me to behave in this situation how can i best honor god now john knows that being a christian is difficult and so he's written this uh, this letter uh, john is a, a pastor at this point He's probably uh, into his 80s. Uh, he's, he's lived uh, a long life and he's, he's full of love and wisdom. He's probably writing from uh, Turkey. So he's probably pastoring a church over in Turkey, but he's kind of responsible for uh, a few different churches. And so he writes to Gaius, who's, who's in a church probably quite nearby, maybe, maybe in a town nearby. And he's writing this letter to encourage him to say, keep going, keep doing what you're doing, keep living out your life for Jesus. And he gives him some practical wisdom. How can we love Jesus? That's what he's talking about. John wants our life to be completely transformed by the good news of Jesus. You see, right down to the nitty gritty, everyday stuff. That's what he's concerned about. And he's particularly concerned with how that affects our relationships uh, with each other. And he wants there to be love. He wants there to be love in the our, our kind of brotherly and sisterly relationships in our church. Uh, so tonight we're going to look at uh, those examples of sacrificial love. How do we uh, act like brothers and sisters in a church? How do we love each other well? So we're going to look at uh, Gaius, who is the this guy who receives this letter from John. We're going to have a look at uh, the two guys with funny names, Diotrephes and Demetrius. And I'm probably going to get them confused, but we'll carry on. And then we're going to have 
a look. Well, actually, first we're going to have a look at, at John himself, this uh, this pastor, this really wise guy uh, who has been completely transformed by God's love for him. So let's start by looking at uh, John about how he uh, exemplifies love in action. So, like I say, he's the guy who's written this letter. He's written to his friend uh, Gaius. Uh, John. We didn't really know much about Gaius, uh, but we do know that John loves Gaius. He's, he calls him a dear friend in this letter. It literally means beloved or, or loved one. It's a really affectionate term. And he clarifies, he says, uh, John talks about loving him in the truth. What's the truth? It's the truth about Jesus. It's the truth of the gospel. It's the good news that Jesus has come to earth to save sinners. And so in other words, John is saying, uh, guys, I love you in the truth. I love you that we're pulling in the same direction. I love the fact that our faiths are similar, that we both have been loved by Jesus and we want to love each other. And so we're not just friends, but we're now brothers. We're both people pulling in the same direction. We want the same thing. We're moving forward for the good of the gospel. Um, John absolutely uh, loves Gaius. He, he kind of sees him as his son. He, he gets really excited, in fact, when he, um, when he hears about uh, Gaius's faith. So he says this in verse four, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. John looks at Gaius and he is so encouraged by Gaius's faith by his life that he sees that, that Gaius has. And uh, we're really blessed in this church that there are people in this church um, who, um, whose faith encourages me. And I'm sure there are people like that for you as well. I hope there are. Um, back when I was a, a student, I was a student over in uh, Bath, and uh, I started out in my first year um, in, a, in, a, in a kind of student house. So you can all get chucked in together. No one knows anyone. Uh, there were 21 other people in my flat, so quite a big house. Uh, we were in a kind of really long, thin building. Um, I actually later found out the building was uh, modelled on a German prison, uh, so it's not very kind of nice to look at from the outside and felt a bit horrible. But inside, we, we got on uh, very well. Um, I was actually uh, really blessed because one of the other guys uh, was a Christian, uh, as I was. And so there's me and this guy called uh, Seb. Uh, and actually, we were in a, a really blessed situation where we can have lots of opportunities to talk about Jesus. Uh, and so we would have several of these conversations with people that we were living with. And uh, we started doing some uh, little kind of Bible studies. We started off with uh, one guy who kind of lived on the, the door next to me. And we, we'd kind of be in my little room and, and, we'd, and we'd read the Bible together. And uh, then it kind of started growing. And so we, we kind of had to move out to a kind of shared kitchen area. So kind of when people were coming and making their dinner, they would kind of see that we're reading the Bible and kind of people thought it was really weird, but some people kind of sat down and, and, and joined in. And so we kind of, by the end of the year, we had kind of like five or six people in this little Bible study. And uh, one of these people was uh, a woman named Anna. Anna got uh, really excited about what we were talking about. She was really kind of intently trying to work out uh, whether it was true or not. And uh, she did lots of research. She, she read some books and uh, she did a Christianity Explored course. And, 
then one evening, uh, towards the end of the year, uh, Seb, this, this other Christian, knocked on my door and said, just had a conversation with Anna, and I think she's become a Christian. And I remember going back into my room, and uh, I actually kind of broke down crying. I was so happy that this uh, woman, Anna, had been saved by God, that God had decided to save her. I was uh, incredibly encouraged. And as I look at Anna now, we're still friends, kind of eight, about eight years later, and Anna is still uh, going strong in her faith. And every time I kind of meet up with her, I'm really encouraged that she is still living out the truths of the gospel. She's been changed by Jesus. And that really encourages me. Um, as a side note, she also uh, did uh, marry Seb, but that's kind of another story for another day. Um, I'm, I'm assured that, that didn't affect her decision. Um, so, uh, yeah, but I have to ask them if they, if they come to Hedley Park. I love the way that ooh, I took myself off. No, I love the way that uh, when uh, when John looks at Gaius, he, he has this kind of relationship with him. He loves seeing Gaius and his faith. He loves it uh, when Gaius is living out the truth of the gospel. It's kind of like he's his uh, spiritual child. We don't know whether John had any physical children. He, he may have done. We don't, we don't know. But he definitely had these spiritual children, these people uh, like Gaius. People who he could remember coming to know Jesus. People he would kind of walk alongside with and, and encourage and, and pray for. Uh, people that he, he really does love, that he helps to disciple. And, you know, in the Christian life, we are meant to have those kind of relationships. We're, we're meant to be a kind of spiritual family. We're meant to have kind of spiritual mums and dads. Uh, people that we look up to and that encourage us. I don't know if you uh, still know that the a person that um, led you to become a Christian, if, if you're a Christian, uh, probably there were quite a few people, I'd imagine, for most of us. You know, I still uh, look at the people who helped me to understand the gospel uh, when I was young, and I'm still encouraged by them. And we're meant to have kind of relationships kind of horizontally as well, kind of brothers and sisters kind of relationships, people who, who are kind of walking with us and, and helping us. And we're also meant to have um, sons and daughters, kind of spiritual children. It's really important that we uh, look out for younger Christians too. This doesn't have to be um, kind of complicated. You don't need to be super qualified to do this. It could be as simple as uh, just getting to know some of the young people in the church, maybe some of the teenagers, and helping them in their faith. Maybe just getting to know one of them by name and trying to pray for them once a week. That is such an important part of how we do church together, how we grow together as God's people. One of the things that John does for Gaius is he prays for him. He, so he thanks God for Gaius. He thanks God for Gaius's health physically and also his spiritual health too. And he asks that Gaius will continue to walk in the truth. He wants Gaius to put the love of Jesus into practice in his relationships. And he's actually particularly concerned that Gaius would love uh, some visiting missionaries. Now, that's kind of a might be a strange example for us. Uh, but the context um, that these guys were in, in his Roman context, 
There was no Airbnb, obviously no Premier Inn. And so if you were going to another town, you needed to be there, then you had no option really, but to stay with strangers. And so the act of kind of looking after strangers and having random people in your house was relatively normal. And it was really important, especially for the church. So if you cast your mind back to the end of Matthew's gospel uh, and Jesus gives his disciples the great commission, he tells them, go out into the whole world and tell them about me. And uh, once um, the, the gospel kind of goes out to all these different places, all these uh, disciples and apostles, well, they need uh, somewhere to, to stay as they, as they um, move from town to town. And they needed people like Gaius who would kind of open up their home to them, give them a meal for the night. Maybe they'd stay a, a few days. Uh, and then uh, as they went off, they'd be given a bit of money and, and perhaps a little bit of food, just enough to get to the next town. And that work was essential for the gospel going out to the whole world. If you were here last week, uh, you might remember that in 2 John, John gives an example of when you shouldn't do this. And he says you should only receive people into your home and kind of be hospitable to them if they are Christians, if they're not false teachers, if they're, if they're saying uh, lies about Jesus, then you mustn't do this, he says. And the reason for that is if you do that, then you're helping a false gospel spread and you're helping spread lies about Jesus. He says we absolutely can't do that. We need to be discerning and wise but when there are people telling the truth about Jesus, then we need to get alongside them uh, and uh, be co-workers with them. That's what he says in, in verse eight. He, he describes working together for the truth. You, uh, you may not be called to be a missionary out in the deepest, darkest Peru or, or somewhere far off. Most of us probably aren't. But you are called to support the people who are doing that. How, how do we do that? How do we support uh, the mission going out into uh, these kind of far-flung places? Well, there's lots of things. We can definitely start by praying for people like that. And, and actually, missionaries are, are kind of the easiest people to pray for, because if you ask them, they'll give you a big, long list of stuff that they need praying for, stuff that they're doing. And if you ask them, they'll probably send it to you uh, once every few weeks and keep you updated with what they're doing. We support kind of several missionaries in this church, and Ruth does a brilliant job of keeping us up to date of, of what they're doing and, and the things that they need prayer for. You could write to them. I'm sure they'd be encouraged by that. You could send them money. We support organizations that do that. You can do that through the church or, or through organizations like, like UFM. So there are lots of ways in which we can be co-workers with missionaries, the people bringing the gospel to people that need to hear it. As I was um, reading up about 3 John, uh, I heard that the, the name Gaius, the guy who receives the letter, is that name Gaius is probably the most common name in the whole uh, Roman world. It's kind of like the equivalent of Mr. Smith. And uh, I love the idea that as um, you get kind of people like Paul, kind of big shot missionaries, that kind of crazy gifting, they're doing all these amazing stuff going town to town. But, but for every Paul, every kind of, um, every missionary, there needed to be dozens of Gaiuses kind of spread out across the world 
so that these, these missionaries could have a place to stay and be sent on their way with, with a little bit of money. We, we may not be called to be kind of Apostle Paul's going out into far from places, but we can support our, our mission partners. And the way we do that is by loving them sacrificially. So moving on from uh, Gaius to our, our third guy, that guy called Diotrephes. Uh, uh, if, at this point, if this was a pantomime, I reckon there'd be kind of some big signs saying, boo, he's the bad guy of the book. Uh, it says in verse nine, St. John says, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So John's probably written a letter uh, already, maybe to Gaius, maybe to uh, the church that they were in. And he, he said basically what he's saying in this letter, kind of support missionaries who were going out into the world. Uh, but this guy, Diotrephes, has said no to that. He has not listened to what John has said at all. Uh, and actually, he wants to do his own thing instead. And did you catch the way that he was described? He is someone who loves to be first. As, uh, as John was, was writing this, I, uh, I think he's thinking back uh, to an event that happened in his life uh, decades before this point, back when John was probably just a teenager. Uh, he was one of Jesus's disciples. He was one of the chosen 12. Uh, and John has some pretty big aspirations. He, he had some plans to be a bit of a, a big shot in the Christian world. He was going to be Jesus's right-hand man. And he was going to uh, sit at Jesus's uh, right hand side. He was going to be his wingman. Uh, and his mum is clearly on his side. His mum thinks he's definitely up for the job. And so his mum goes up to, to Jesus with, with John and John's brother, James. And she says, Jesus, will my sons, will they sit at your right hand and your left? But John has got his thinking all wrong, hasn't he? He's thought that being great and, and kind of the thing to aim for is all about being famous and important and, and well thought of. He's thought it's all about being top dog. But Jesus says, you've got it completely wrong. You've thought completely the wrong way. And so he wants to make this really clear. So he gathers his disciples around him. He says this, this is from Matthew 20. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. What is greatness according to Jesus? What, what should we be aiming for? Well, greatness is about being a servant, not being top of the pile, but being bottom of the pile. It's about giving up your own rights to serve others, to love and serve other people. In other words, to do what Gaius is doing, right? He's giving up his own comfort and convenience to serve other people. But that's not what Diotrephes is doing, is it? He is the guy who loves to be first, to be top of the pile. That's where he wants to be. And just as a guy, his faith affects his actions, what he loves affects what he does. 
Well, the same is true for Diotrephes. He is full of self-love. And so that affects his actions. He wants to be first. He wants other people to serve him. And so he, he kicks out these other believers. He doesn't want people serving them. He wants people serving him. He even, it says, kicks out the people in the church who wanted to support these visiting missionaries. He's getting rid of people like Gaius. So Diotrephes is clearly a, a powerful guy. He must be pretty kind of charismatic. People are clearly listening to him. He had a lot of power and influence. And we know, don't we, if we've seen anything in the news over the past few uh, months and years, that there are tons of stories of people with power and influence uh, are using it not for um, the good of other people, but for their own goods. They can be really destructive, can't they? Power corrupts. It does. We see that in famous people. Tragically, we've also seen that in the church as well, where, where leaders have used power for their own gain and not to serve God's people. Well, that seems to be what's happened to this guy, Diotrephes. He's a, probably a church leader. He's meant to be a, a kind of minister. We use that word. It means servant. But instead of serving other people, he's serving himself. It must be really clear that the Bible says that power and influence are good things. They can be good things. They're given uh, to the leaders of a church, and, and the leaders of the church are important. They're there to serve the church. The problem is that we have simple hearts and that we can very quickly become self-serving. That can be very dangerous. We need to really pray for the leaders in this church, don't we? We need to pray that they would use their God-given authority for our good. We, would, we should pray they continue to lead us well. And I'm sure they would be the, the first to say that we shouldn't be complacent about that. We need to keep praying for them. Especially as we think about these changes, lots of exciting things are hopefully going to happen over the next year. We're thinking about the revitalization in Bedminster. We're thinking about a building project with the, with the church hall. We're thinking about lots of exciting things. We're, we're growing as a church. This is really exciting. We need to pray that our leaders will continue to serve us well. So finally, we, we moved on from Diotrephes and we're on to uh, the last guy in this book, this guy called uh, Demetrius. We, we don't know very much about any of these characters we, we probably know the least about demetrius we really get one verse with him in uh, but what we do know is is really positive you see down there verse verse 11 oh this is verse 12 it says he is uh, well spoken of by everyone all the christians around demetrius thought he was a really good guy and john gives him a kind of personal recommendation he says we also speak well of him Seems this guy Demetrius is probably one of the missionaries that, that John's talking to Gaius about. He might have even been the guy who, who carried this letter from John to Demetrius. And there's that curious uh, thing where it says, even the truth itself speaks well of him. That kind of means if you were to look at this guy Demetrius's life, it would have been obvious to you immediately what he believed about Jesus. His, his whole life was um, kind of telling the story of the gospel, about what Jesus had done for him. He's living out the, the good news that Jesus came down 
not to be served, but to serve. And that's affected his whole life. He's living a life of service to other people. And that's why he's given to us as, as a kind of role model. He's, he's someone to imitate in verse 11. He's not uh, perfect at all, but, but church is one of the amazing things about church is that we have uh, people to look up to, kind of like these spiritual mums and dads we were thinking about. See, church is not something we um, go to kind of watch. It's not something we just kind of consume in on a, on a Sunday. It's not even something that we do, really. Actually, church is something that we are. We are the church. We are brothers and sisters with each other. And therefore, we kind of act out that being brothers and sisters, that being a family together. We're, we're certainly not perfect. And, and the people that I look up to in this church, no one's perfect. But we have uh, amazing, God has given us some role models. And that is such a good thing. We ought to thank God for that. So we've reached, basically reached the end of a three, John, kind of whistle-stop tour through it. And, and before he's, he's started, he's basically wrapped it up and finished. Um, he, he finishes almost exactly the way he finishes two, John, actually, which is basically, I'd love to keep writing to you, but to be honest, I'd rather come and see you in person. That's what I'd rather do. Actually, that, that kind of sums up what, what this book is all about. It's about loving each other sacrificially, not, not, not at a distance, but really kind of rolling up our sleeves and getting involved in each other's lives. Um, as I've thought about this, to be honest, I find it really challenging. Um, I'm naturally quite an introverted person. I find it kind of easier generally to be by myself. I find that's kind of where I feel more energized. I'm sure that many of you are like that. And one of the dangers for me, and maybe you relate to this as well, is uh, when I when I think about my kind of Christian walk, how I'm doing as a Christian, it can be very individualistic, very kind of me and, and Jesus. And, and that's all that matters, really. And I, maybe I, I look at some of the Christians and I think, oh, yeah, that, they've definitely got some problems. Um, I'm sure they'll be fine. I'm, I'm sure they'll work it out. Or maybe someone else will, will come and help them. I, I'm very um, British in that way. I, I kind of like to kind of keep myself to myself. But, you know, this, this letter and what John's saying to us, that can't be how things are. We have to be concerned with the stuff going on in each other's lives. And we have to be supporting each other and loving each other with that love of Jesus. Just as I wrap up, um, one of the things I, I love about this church is how good uh, you are at being welcoming. I think we do welcome really well. And one of the reasons I think we're kind of growing as a church, so lots of new people coming, we're, we're busy, and, and especially in the Sunday mornings, lots of new people coming to our church. And I think one of the reasons for that is people feel very welcomed. Uh, many of you guys are absolutely brilliant at kind of uh, welcoming people into your home, uh, making them feel uh, really welcomed and 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 you uh, you serve people and you do things like you make meals for people and and you kind of run people up to the the hospital and do all sorts of uh, things to help people and love people well uh, you know that it's really encouraging to me when I see that and I'm sure there is so much of that that happens that we don't see uh, but God sees it of course doesn't he and you know God is glorified in our church 
uh, when we together love the people in this church and as we keep loving him.